Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. This is where we're starting in our series. Now the Lord said to Abram, that was before his name was changed to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and, I, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So let's have a word of prayer. Lord, bless our time here this morning as we launch this series. I pray that people who never understood uh, Israel's role in the economy of your kingdom, that they would by the end. That those who have never heard a teaching on Israel before, they would understand the importance of Israel in your eyes. And I pray, Lord, you open up the eyes of our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Books on Jewish history written from a secular viewpoint are generally agreed that Jewish existence is an enigma. In other words, they can't explain it. Spengler and Arnold Toynbee don't have an answer, nor explain the Jews. And these were historians with different philosophies on history. It was Max DeMont pointed out in his book, titled Jews, God, and History, he said, since the history of the Jews did not fit into either Spengler's or Toynbee's system, Spengler ignored them and Toynbee reduced them to an occasional footnote describing the Jews as fossils of history. Philosophies of history based on non-biblical presuppositions fail to provide any answer to Jewish survival. This is clear from the very writings of those who tried to explain history by a certain system only to have it crack down in the face of the Jews. There's only one explanation for the existence of the Jews today, and that is God. That when you look at such a tiny nation in the midst of all the other nations of the world, and the very fact that they didn't exist as a nation for 2,000 years, and then in 1948 were declared a nation, there's only one answer, and that is God. Now, as we begin this series and we look at the past of Israel's history, as we look at their, their past getting into the Old Testament, I want to really cover it from three different angles. I want to talk about God's election of, of Israel. I want to talk about God's intention for Israel. And then finally, I want to talk about God's protection of Israel because all of that highlights God's working through the nation of Israel. First of all, God's election of Israel, it begins with the call of Abraham. It begins with the call of Abraham that I just read to you in Genesis chapter 12. It begins with this call where God chooses Abraham. Now, there's nothing within Abraham to cause God to choose him. It wasn't like he was more righteous than the rest of the world. It wasn't like he looked at Abraham and said, gee, this guy can bring something to the table. I think I'll choose him. That's not the way it happened. In fact, when God chooses Abraham, it is in his grace and his love. It is in his grace and his love. No different than when he chooses us in Christ. It is in 
His grace and in His love. This is highlighted in many different portions of Scripture, but I want to read to you several Scriptures to highlight this point. Why did God even choose Abraham? Now, you know Abraham will become the nation of Israel. We'll get to that in a moment. But in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 37, it says, And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power. So God chooses Abraham and his offspring based on his love for them, his grace for them. Again, Abraham did not have anything within him that he could bring to the table for God. It's important that you understand that, that when God chooses people to be used for his glory, we can't come to God and we can't say it's because this is what I have for God. We cannot parade anything in front of the creator who spoke all things into existence. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 to 8, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2, says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord chose you, has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. There's that word again, treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 18, it says, And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession, as he has promised you, and that you are to keep his commandments. One more scripture. You can go through the Bible yourself and find all these scriptures referring to this. But in verses 15 to 16 of Deuteronomy 10, Yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Now I want you to understand that there's no other nation on the face of the planet that God chose. He didn't choose Russia. He didn't choose Italy. He didn't even choose America. God chose Israel for his specific purposes and plans and it begins with this call of Abraham and in Genesis 12 God is asking Abraham to do something he's not just saying I've given this to you but he's actually asking him to leave his father's house and to go to a land I will show you we know that land is going to be Israel but he says go to a land I will show you now God chooses him But Abraham responds in faith and obedience. In verse 4 of Genesis 12, it says, So Abram went. So Abram went. The Lord gives the call, and Abraham goes. The Lord gives the call, and he steps out in faith and obedience. Just like in our relationship with God. There's a requirement of you to respond in faith and obedience. There's no doubt that God chose me in his life in my life, that God chose me to be included in his kingdom, but there was a call to step out in faith and obedience from my father's house. 
Now, not literally my father's house, but everything I was raised in and everything I believed in the culture, God says, I'm going to show you a new way of life. And it takes me to respond in faith and obedience, just like it did in your life. That There's no question you can say that God saved you, he chose you, but there was that element of faith and obedience on your part. And Abraham actually becomes an example of saving faith to us in the New Testament. When you read the most systematic book on justification by faith, which is the book of Romans, and it talks about how everyone's depraved at first. There's no one that's right with God. He deals with the people in the world, the unbelievers. He deals with the moral people. He deals with the religious people. He says there's nobody who's right. And then in chapter 3, he makes his turn, and he says we're justified by faith. We're justified by faith. That as Christ died on the cross, you and I exercise in our faith and trust that it was his work on the cross that saves and redeems us. There's an element of faith that has to be put into what God's word is. And so in Romans chapter 4, after it moves from justification by faith, is as if the apostle Paul is saying, I'm going to give you an example of this. And in chapter 4, he says in verses 1 to 5, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but it is his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So Abraham is actually used as an example when we look at the life of Abraham. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. But did he live a life of faith and walk according to God's word as he called him and called him even to a land that he was going to show him? Now in Hebrews chapter 11, in the hall of faith, Abraham is used once again in verses 8 to 10. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. So we see even in this Genesis chapter 12 that his life speaks to us today. That he becomes an example of God choosing and God saying, I love you, I'm going to set my love upon you, and then a person responding in faith and obedience to that call. So I want you to put the call of Abraham aside for a second. I want to talk about God's covenant with Abraham because this has a lot to do with Israel. And as we speak about Israel, I want you to keep these things in mind. Now, there's eight things I listed that are components of the call of Abraham and the covenant of Abraham that I'm going to go through fairly quickly because I think the last part of this sermon is important for you to understand why we even stand with Israel today. So, in God's covenant with Abraham, he makes a series of promises to him. Says Abraham, you're going to get out of your father's land. You're going to go to a place I will show you, and this, 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 and this is going to happen. The first thing that God promises Abraham is a land. 
He promises them a land. God says, go from your country to your kindred and your father's house to the land, the land that I will show you. We know that land later on to be the land of Canaan, which eventually becomes the land of Israel. Now, if you look in the back of your Bibles, a lot of times your Bible maps will probably say Palestine. I haven't even checked this one. Well, I don't have time to do that now. But most of the maps in the back will say the land of Palestine, and that's not true. That has always been the land of Israel. In fact, New Testament refers to it as the land of Israel. But what happened was there was an emperor named Hadrian who was emperor of Rome, and the Jews continued to rise up against Rome. They wanted their own freedom. And Emperor Hadrian tried to squash a revolt. It was the Bar Kova revolt that took place in 132 to 35 AD. During those three years, the Jews rose up, and Hadrian pretty much said, I'm sick and tired of these Jews. They've been nothing but a thorn in my flesh. And he drove them from the land. Now, that's not to say there weren't Jews that remained in the land. There have always been Jews in the land. So don't believe that lie. But the majority of the Jewish nation was expulsed from the land of Israel. They were scattered among the four parts of the world into every nation out there. And what Hadrian did, he wanted to insult the Jews, so he changed the name to Palestine, which was a play on Philistine, Philistines. Remember the Philistines? They were Israel's primary enemy in the land of Israel. So Adrian takes the name and he changes it from Israel to Palestine as a play on words to insult the Jewish people. So sometimes people will refer to the land of Israel as Palestine. I want you to know where it comes from. The land is not Palestine. It is Israel. It is Israel. So there was this promise of a great land, this land, promise of the land. There's also the promise of a great nation that God promises Abraham in verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation. I will make of you a great nation. Now, as you follow the Old Testament, you're going to see that Abraham has a son in his old age. That's Isaac. He's the son of promise. The seed is going to go down all the way even to the arrival of Christ. But then Isaac has a son who's called Jacob. His name is Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. You read that in Genesis 32, 28, when Jacob wrestles with God all night long, he gets his name changed. He gets a new name at that time. So in Genesis 32, verse 28, it says, Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And that's what it means. It really means wrestling with God is the name Israel. And we've seen through history where they have wrestled with God at various times. But the point is this. Jacob has 12 sons and those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. That's why we refer to them as Israel. That when we talk about Israel, we're talking about the Jewish people that are a part of the nation Israel. And so his name is changed. Twelve sons have, they multiply. They're going to be brought down into Egypt during a famine. And God uses Egypt as an incubator and he grows the nation there. There were 72 people that went down to Egypt and there were over 3 million that left Egypt. 3 million Jews left at that time 
during the Exodus. So God used Egypt as an incubator to fulfill this promise that he makes to Abraham of making them a great nation. The next promise is a promise of blessing. When we look at that, God says, I will bless you. I will bless you. Now, God blessed Abraham in every way. This was speaking of material blessing, and it was also speaking of spiritual blessing. In fact, when you read Genesis chapter 24, verse 1, here's what it says. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Don't we know that to be true, you guys? When we respond in faith and obedience to the call of God, does not he shower us with the richest blessings from heaven? Amen? I mean, we may not be rich. We may not have the possessions that Abraham had. Some people, especially prosperity preachers who are ungodly, will use Abraham as an example. See, God wants us all to be rich. That isn't true because Jesus and the disciples didn't have beach houses on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, Jesus said, man, the foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but man, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And so it's not speaking of that. But he did bless Abraham materially. He's going to supply our needs and everything else. But when I think of the blessings of God, I think of my family. I think of my children. I think of my grandchildren. I think of new creations. Listen to me, guys. I think of new creations. Some of you are blessings. Some, well, we won't go down that road. But I think of all that God's done through new creations. I, I think of Christ Community Church. These are the blessings that God has showered us with. These are, look at one another. One another. So let's move forward because I got a lot to get through. The promise of a great name. Look what he says. He says, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Now watch this. This is in contrast to Genesis 11 when they rebelled against God at the Tower of Babel. And they said, let us make for us a name. And so there's a difference when God makes your name great and you try and make your name great. Because when God makes your name great, you know it's through his path. It's through his righteousness. It's through what he's delineated. When people get out there and strive to make their own name great, they violate the commands of the Lord. They go from all these different... Anyway, I'm not going to get on that because I've got to go through a lot today. But let me just leave you with this. Every major faith, the three primary religions in the world are Judaism... Christianity, and Islam. Those are the three primary religions in the world. All three proclaim Abraham as the father of their faith. The promise of blessing others. God promised that Abraham would be a blessing to others as he moves, verse 2, at the end of verse 2, so that you will be a blessing. So Abraham's life becomes a blessing to others in so many Areas And you're going to hear about some of this as we get through this series, as we go through what God is doing with Israel. You'll see a lot next week on what God is doing with them presently and how this promise actually is fulfilled. But the point is God not only calls Abraham out for his own purposes and his own glory, but he says, I'm going to bless others through him. 
I'm going to bless the nations of the world ultimately. The promise of blessing for blessing, and this is what we're going to get into at the end. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. This is one of the reasons why Christ Community Church is blessed today. From 2001, we started blessing Israel. We started taking people to the land. We started speaking up against anti-Semitism. We started speaking from the pulpit unashamedly against the replacement theology that's going through a lot of the mainline denominations. We have said, no, no way. God is not finished with Israel. And one of the reasons that we're blessed today is because of our stance for Israel. The promise of curse for curse. He not only says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. That's a bad translation, by the way. It should say, I will curse those who curse you. And every major English translation, NIV, NASB, New King James, they all translate that, I will curse those who curse you. And really what is speaking of about invoking harm on those who attempt to harm Israel. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures where that takes place, actually a few of the places, so that you understand that when you develop a heart of anti-Semitism against Israel, you're in a dangerous position with God. When you start to violate, we'll get to that in a moment, the promise of blessing the world, right? Look at verse, the end of that verse, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God makes a promise that in him all the families on the earth shall be blessed. That comes through our Messiah, Jesus Christ, which we'll see in a moment. So that's really God's election of Israel. God chose Israel, and he makes a covenant with them. It begins with Abraham, who's the father of the nation, who, who becomes really the nation of Israel and the Jewish people as we know them today. So you need to understand it begins with God's initiative, and it all plays back and ties back into the promise that was made in Genesis chapter 3 when mankind fell at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. He says that he's going to, in the seed of the woman, crush the head of the serpent, which you'll see in a moment. Now I want to talk just a little bit about God's intention for Israel. Why did God choose Israel? What is his purposes for Israel? Well, I want to show you a couple of them, four of them actually, and they're the most important. Number one, to be a kingdom of priests, to be a kingdom of priests. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, when God delivers Israel from their bondage, their slavery to Egypt, he brings them to Mount Sinai, and he makes a promise to him there. He says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, Holy has to do more with God setting Israel apart for his purposes. But he's going to make them a kingdom of priests. Now, if you know anything about the priesthood in the Old Testament, Israel had their own priesthood. It came through the Levites. Levi and his sons were the priests that would represent the people before God and represent God before the people. And that's what priests do. Israel would represent... God to the world in the sense of teaching God's word. They would be the priests because priests would teach the word of God in Hosea. When the nation went off, one of the indictments against them was there were no teaching priests. 